By now you'll have heard or seen that I'm working with a new golf app called Tangent, who are also sponsoring this show. It's the smartest AI caddy in golf and is able to recommend not only clubs to hit, but target locations based on the math behind strokes gained and your own personal shot patterns. Unlike many other shot trackers, it also takes into account and adjusts for hazards that are out there. It has sensorless tracking with an amazing automatic swing detection that you can use with your Apple Watch or your phone without any need to buy any attachments for your clubs. And my favorite part, the post-round analysis data helps you immediately see where you can improve and gives you simple breakdowns that you can dive into if you want much more detail about your stats. It then links this data to recommendations and actual practice drills that you can use to improve. Getting measurable data for both on-course and practice drills makes Tangent one of the best game improvement ecosystems that I've ever seen. So download Tangent for free on the Apple App Store or at tangent.golf and use promo code SWEET30, that's S-W-E-E-T-3-0, for 30% off. So you'll get a free trial, and if you like it and want to continue, it'll give you 30% off a subscription. So just try it out, play a few rounds with it, and I know you'll love it. So that's Tangent, T-A-N-G-E-N-T, and enter code SWEET30. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Sweet Spot. This is John Sherman from Practical Golf. And as always, I'm joined by Adam from Adam Young Golf. This episode of The Sweet Spot is brought to you by our friends at the Indoor Golf Shop. They are the place to go online for setting up a golf simulator in your home or business. They sell all the major brands of launch monitors like Foresight, Skytrack, Unicore, and FlightScope. And they make enclosures, screens, hitting mats, pretty much anything you need for your studio. And if you need help, you can give them a call directly, talk to their experts, ask for Gerald or Hunter if you have questions about which systems can fit in your garage, media room, or basement, or your needs for your budget. So give them a ring and they can help you out. And if you just want to take a look at all their offerings, you can visit them at shopindoorgolf.com. And thanks again for their support. So... We are continuing our equipment education series, and we are joined by Woody Lashin. Woody, how's it going? It's going great, guys. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. No, you are. You're going to be a perpetual guest on the show because there's there's a lot to talk about on, on equipment and fitting, and we got a ton of great questions on Twitter, and people. People love this knowledge, so we're happy that you can share your time with us. Well, I, I really enjoy doing it, so I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'm, I'm, I, I like my regular spot. I'm, I'm good with this. <laughs> um, and since Woody's such a kind and humble man, I'll, I'll give him a, a nice plug in his and the business that he's a co-owner of. Um, Woody is the co-owner of Pete's Golf Shop. They've been a fixture in the New York metro area for, what, 40-plus years now? Woody, how many is it Since now? Since 1979. 1979. So if you're looking to get fit by some of the best people in the industry 
and you either live in the New York metro area or you're traveling through, they're about 30, 40 minutes east of New York City. They're amongst the best in the industry. All of the major OEMs consistently ask them questions and seek their their knowledge. Um, they work with touring professionals, regular golfers, and whether it's Woody, Pete, um, Sonny, Kirk, or Rob, they've got a great staff. Um, so I just want to give them a, a quick plug because they're awesome and they really take care of golfers and they don't sell you, they fit you. That that's an important distinction in this industry, right, Woody? Very, very much so. <laughs> very much so. So what are we talking about today? And we're talking about wedges today. Talking about wedges. Adam, I know you're not an equipment guy, but do you have any like main thoughts about wedges, about equipment questions on your mind? Yeah, I bought some wedges the other day, and I just just randomly picked them off the shelf. I awesome. I mean, I look a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I know. I look oh, a little boy. bit at at bounce, um, and so I just I just place it on the ground and kind of see if it looks right to my eye. Um, but I, I kind of as as a player, I'm always manipulating bounce just through opening or closing the face, leaning the shaft forwards and backwards. So I just get a, a general sense of, as to whether it's it looks okay to me, and I go for the midpoint. But um, in retrospect, I should have a fitting for it. I was a little time strapped at the time. I won't explain why, but uh, yeah. So what I suppose the biggest question we all have is talk about bounce and grind and what are all these different things what does k grind mean and you grind i'm making stuff up now aren't i <laughs> yeah well i mean i think that was one of the most consistent questions we got on twitter and we're, we're definitely going to get into that i'm sure we will take us through his progression as he has in the past um but yeah you're you're kind of a i have a lot of respect for your wedge game woody that the the times we've played i've noticed some special things with your hands you're 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 pretty damn good with the wedges thanks well it's it's uh if i didn't have good hands i don't think i could be a good player well i i, I was you know as i was preparing for the show i was thinking about this one shot that you hit and i don't even know if you remember this remember you got us on to friar's head a couple of summers ago it was a very special day yep and you and i were playing we were playing a little team match it was a fun we were just you know getting the competitive juices flowing and on the twelfth hole, which is a par three at Friars, I remember you pulled your your shot to the left, and I was on the green, and I was I was struggling that day. I was not playing well, so we were. I think we were behind in the match, and I finally hit a good shot. And I'm like, all right, I can make a birdie here, and, and hopefully get a get a hole back. And you were kind of like dead to rights. Friars Head has a lot of runoff areas with like that tight, grainy turf where if you don't catch it just right, you're going to chunk it. And you hit this shot. Again, I don't even know if you remember this. You were kind of short-sided. You let the club slide underneath it. It popped on the green. And it one hop stopped like an inch from the hole. And I remember looking at it and I was just like, <laughs> first of all, I was like, crap, that there goes, uh, there goes my easy win because I thought you were going to make a bogey for sure. And I was, and my other thought was like, I, I could never hit that shot. That was like a tour level shot that you hit. So I was just randomly remembering that as I was preparing for this episode. Do you even remember that shot? It's funny. I actually do remember it only because we were there for, for Rob's 60th birthday. That's why we were, we went out and he was in a similar spot than me. And after I hit that shot, he looked at me, he's like, I, I don't think that's even possible. And no, it, like, I mean, it was, he pulled out his was... putter and tried to, you know. <laughs> I definitely would have chunked it. I know I would have chunked well, it in that listen, situation. <laughs> <laughs> the success in having with those shots is having a tool that will allow you to do 
what you do best and help you with what you don't do best. It's kind of simple, right? So Yeah, simple. I have the right tools. You've given me the right tools. But I still can't <laughs> hit those shots. So golf golf is tough. Yeah, it is. yes it is. Yes it is. So so this is Woody's third episode. We we've done driver fittings, we've done iron fittings. As usual, the sweet spot is an evergreen show, so you can always go back in our library and listen to any episode. There's no specific order. So if you do like this episode on wedges and you haven't checked out the one that we did on irons and driver, you can check those out as well. So we usually start off with the questions, the interview process, what you want to find out about a player, right? That that's usually the starting point. Absolutely. What you do in a fitting and, and discuss. So so how are wedges, you know, com- compared to irons, I guess, what type of different questions are you asking for wedges versus irons like what kind of primary things stick out i actually think by the way the interview is probably the most important thing that when you're getting fit for wedges is someone asking you questions like so i i, I one of the biggest things we see in wedges people come i want i want to get my gaps when i get my gaps right i'm not saying that gaps aren't important because gaps sure are important what i like to do is talk to the player and figure out okay what wedges do you have in your bag and what shots do you play with those with those wedges and what shots do you hit well and what shots do you hit badly so for, let's fit, take for example um myself right so i've got a a 50 degree uh wedge with a lot of bounce and i use that a lot around the greens square faced only i'm trying to hit a lower released type shot um i've got a 55 degree wedge that I don't use around the green very often. I will occasionally use it, but it's much more of a distance club um, for me. I'm using my 50 and my 60 degree wedge around the greens much more so. Um, so each of us are, you know, so, so you're, you have this conversation. What would you like to do? Well, I like to open the face. I like to keep it square. Adam was just saying, he goes, he's trying to manipulate his trajectory by closing the face, opening the face. Maybe he's putting it towards the back of his stance, towards the front of his stance. Um, And I want to get a a really good feeling for what kinds of shots the player hits and what kind of shots the player struggles with. Which wedge did I use out of the sand? Um, My own game, I use my 60 probably... Uh, 80% and my 50, probably the other 20%. I don't use my 55 degree wedge often in the sand. This has changed over time, but th- those are that's the way that I like to play the game. And I don't think there's any right way to play the game. When, when I grew up, we, were, we had one wedge. We had a 56 degree wedge, supposedly. And we had to learn how to hit high and learn how to hit it low and learn to hit all the shots. And you can still do that. It's a lot harder than having two or three different tools you can use around the greens. Um, and I think most players, when you, you start talking to them, I mean, listen, some people use a seven iron, eight iron around the green. I, I want to know all those shots they hit around the greens. I want to know, again, what, what they're successful at, where they try to stay away from, what do they struggle? They struggle out of the sand. They struggle with a flop shot. Where are the strengths? Where are their weaknesses? Then I'm going to go and take their their current clubs and I'm going to measure them, right? So I want to know exactly what they're, they're, uh, what they're using. Then Now we're going to hit some shots. We're going to hit some full shots, but we're going to hit some more partial shots. I, I think that f- the, the biggest thing in wedge fitting is getting the right sole. So Adam can use the word bounce. Let's talk about that, about that bounce for a second because it's really important. 
First of all, when you, you buy a Volky wedge and it says 10 degrees and you say, oh, it's 10 degrees of bounce. It's not 10 degrees of bounce. It's 10 degrees of effective bounce in the Volky mindset. What does that mean? So to actually measure bounce, if you could clamp the shaft and then put a device, we actually have one where you can actually find the middle of the sole and see how many degrees is that back edge. In most cases, it would be the center of the sole above the leading edge. And so the more higher that number would be, let's say you can go from four to six to eight to 20. You can go, I mean, there, there's some wedges that actually have, I don't know, 24, 25 degrees of bounce. You think, this wow. This is like super game improvement wedges a- that actually, you see. <laughs> a lot of them are not really super game improvement wedges. Really? They don't have a lot of measured bounce. I'll explain to you why that is in a second. Those are actually the real uh, 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 company like, uh, what was it? was, uh, um, oh, Scratch Golf. Was it Scratch Golf? I forget. Well, it had a very narrow sole with a lot of, a, a, a lot of bounce, but it was very narrow. So it was not edel, edel wedges. Correct. Adele, Adele has wedges like that. So what, what affects how the club goes through the ground? Obviously, there's that number one thing is how much bounce is there. But number two would be how wide is the sole? So if I've got a very narrow sole with a lot of bounce and I've got a wider sole with, a, with, with the same amount of bounce, the wide sole is going to play with a lot more bounce. Yeah, I'm thinking to the wedges you fit me for, I have the ping glides and on my 56 degree, we have the wide sole with the most bounce possible because I'm a shaft leaner and I need more relief there. Right. It's just, it, it helps me. I like, I use that club more in the sand because I, I know I won't dig as much with it because I have so much to work with um, versus if I hit my lob wedge out of the sand, which I know has less effective bounce on it. I'm more prone to dig, um, unfortunately. So I, I, I tend to stay away from my lob wedge in the sand these days, just because I know that that 56 degree we built has more relief built into it for me. Right. Right. So so the, the things that control how the wedge goes through the ground, that, that actual amount of bounce, the width of the sole, the radius of the leading edge, very underrated. The more radius or rounded that leading edge is, the more that it's going to have more effective bounce. The, the sharper that is, if you were to file that and make it really sharp, it would want to dig into the ground. It's going to make it have less effective bounce. And then the question is, is there any relief in the toe and the heel of the wedge? So... In some wedges, you'll see where, the, if you look at the back of them, that from the toe down to the heel, the, the, the bounce look is pretty much uniform all the way through. Then you see some wedges where there's a, there, you can see there's a lot of grinding or relief been taken um, in the toe and the heel. That's also going to affect how that club goes through the ground. As I say in, in all fittings, there is no right wedge. There's no right configuration for anybody. And especially in wedge fitting, there are no, you must do this. Uh, so you must have the most amount of bounce in your middle wedge. You must have the least amount of bounce in your high lofted wedge. There, there's no absolutes. You, you've got to, we got, we got to talk to the player and figure out what kind of shots they're trying to hit and then apply that to our knowledge of how these soles go through the turf. So can you give a few scenarios of why would you give a certain, because I think, a lot of people get confused about what you talked about, the bounce, the sole, and the grind, how all those work together. So why would a player 
why, what what type of wedge would you give, give me a scenario where someone would get a lot of bounce, a wide sole, and, and a certain grind? Like, is it because of the the shots they're playing and the turf conditions? Like, give an example of where you'd give more relief to a player. What I would do is, in my fitting process, I'm going to have them hit a various kind of a bunch of shots on my launch monitor. We're using a foresight so we can measure dynamic loft and we can measure angle of attack with a wedge. Really hard to do on a lot of launch monitors. So let's just say, for example, that, John, you hit a uh, a 50-yard shot and I give you a 56-degree club and you deloft it to 46 degrees. You've you've taken 10 degrees of effective loft off that club, which is every degree of loft is equal to a degree of bounce. So if I take 10 degrees of loft off, I'm taking 10 degrees of bounce off. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that's super important for people to understand because like someone like me, think of at impact, my hands are ahead of the ball. So I'm leaning the shaft forward. So essentially I'm exposing the leading edge of the club more. Um, and the bounce is going away, right? What do you just, Correct. Dis- it's disappearing. So to counteract that, I think I did that with my 60 degree, by the way, the last time we measured me, yeah. I like de-lofted it to 47 degrees. So to counteract that, you you would need to build in more relief. So at least I'm, in spite of de-lofting it, by adding so much more bounce in a wider sole, I'm getting some relief. Is that is that a good way to characterize that? Correct. Think of bounce as kind of like a rudder, right? So if I've got, if I'm, if I'm taking, uh, uh, if I'm my, my, I'm, I'm, my hands are forward impact, I'm taking away my rudder. If my hands are kind of back at impact, I'm adding to my, my, my rudder. It's like when you hit a flop shot, you open the face up, you might be adding, adding lofts, taking your 60 degree and presenting it out now at 62 or 63 degrees. You're adding bounce when you do that. So that's why in some situations you get that scenario where you can like almost skid it off. Like sometimes people try and open the face on a tight lie in the fairway and then they'll skid the, because they're exposing so much bounce that the club actually bounces off the turf and they can thin it. Um, I've seen that happen quite a bit. <laughs> right. Remember, John, there's two ways to open the face, right? So I can, I can op- to op- add loft, I should say. So I can open the face or I can move my hands back. Backwards, correct. Right. I think that's kind of really hard to do, but with the exception of a bunker shot, you've got to see what a player does. So when we get a player like you, who's de-lofting a lot and then hitting down on, how many degrees are you hitting down on it? You're hitting five, six degrees down on that 30, 40 yard shot. We know that we need to have a lot of, of effective bounce. I'll go back to this. I think it's really important. So you get a Vokey that says 10 degrees on it, and you get a Cleveland that says 10 degrees on it, and you get a Callaway that says 10 degrees on it, and a, a, a um, TaylorMade wedge that says 10 degrees on it, a Ping wedge, whatever company it is, those numbers do not equate to being the same. So you could say, oh, I got a 10 degree bounce. It's not really 10 degrees of bounce. It's what they think is effective. And there are no standards for how they decide to do that. So one that has 10, you might say, I'm chunking this wedge like crazy. The other one, you say, wait a minute, I I, I keep thinning this wedge. I can't get underneath it, but they're both 10 degree wedges. Well, they're not. And that's what your fitter has to have knowledge of the different brands of how they are trying to do things. And by the way, all those companies I mentioned and a lot of other companies make great wedges. So it's not like, oh, one brand is better than the other. It's what do do you need as an individual? Adam, how do you deliver your wedges when you measure on your GC quad? 
I, you know what? I don't really look at that number. Um, <laughs> you don't because I, because I change so so much as a player. But I, I suppose I'm I'm very stock when it comes to say a fifty yard plus. But within inside that, I, I vary it a lot. Um, but yeah, I would imagine I, I de-loft it probably about eight ten degrees, something like that. That's pretty pretty standard. I don't launch the ball very high with those wedges. Um, I tend to go for like a mid amount of bounce. So, yeah, that probably sells, says a lot about how I deliver the club. Yeah. So one of the things we'll do, Adam, is we'll have them hit different yard shots, right? So we might go, try, hey, try to carry this one 10 yards, carry, try, carry this one 20, 40, 50. Um, the bounce has very little effect. It still works, by the way, but it has much less of an effect on the fuller swing. It's more about that partial swing. And the reason why that is, is that I'm taking a full swing. I'm swinging my wedge at, let's say, 80 miles an hour. If I've got a lot of bounce and it's a really hard turf that I'm hitting off of, it's still, because of the speed that it's going into that turf, still going to go into the turf. Um, but if I'm hitting a 20-yard shot where I don't have a lot of speed, that, tur- that club can bounce off the, off the turf. If I've got too much bounce, it's going to bounce and I'm going to hit it uh, 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 thin over the green. Too little bounce, it's going to dig into the ground. Now, by the way, that's assuming we hit the ground first. Obviously, if you don't hit the ground first, well, but you need room for error. The um, I, I would assume that most people listening know the difference between, let's like, say, a blade and a cavity back, right? And you say, well, geez, that blade is really hard to hit. Yes, it is. And if you're one of the best players in the world or you're a great ball striker, you can use a blade. And But there's not a lot of room for error. Bounce is kind of this thing to help you around the greens. And if you say, well, I'm a really good player, all the guys on tour are using uh, have bounce on their wedges. <laughs> Nobody has a wedge with no bounce. And they're very few using what we would call low bounce wedges because there's less room for error. And as good as they might be, you still need some room for error to help your short game get better. So one of the questions we got on Twitter was, obviously, you are fitting golfers for wedges in an indoor environment using artificial turf. And you're measuring things like angle of attack, how they present the loft of the club. And we got a question is like, well, well, how great of a fitting can you get on artificial turf? Shouldn't it be done on real grass? Like, how do you answer a question like that? So it's a great question. It's a great question. Perfect world. Let me be outside with technology so I can measure what the wedge is doing and let me be able to hit off all different kinds of grass. You can go to Titleist and I think I want to say it's about three or $4,000 and you can spend like uh, two hours with one of their guys and you can go and hit all those shots off different kinds of turf. They have it. It's a phenomenal experience. Um, only problem is the only wedges you're going to get are Titleist or Vokies. Great wedges, but you're only getting one company. That's not practical for the average golfer. The cost, the being able to get in, I'm going to, with, with, with they're even doing it now with COVID. I have done that myself. I've gone there a few times, spent a whole bunch of time with Bob Vokey, who, by the way, is amazing, an amazing individual. So we have to be practical what we what we can do. So... What I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to have that interview. There's a few other steps we missed, which we'll have to talk about in a second. But I'm going to figure out what they are now. If I've got a five to a five and up handicap, I'm 
very confident in my process and how I do it that I'm going to let that person get those wedges and I'll stand behind it and if they don't if they're not happy have them come back you know come back and I will give them a different wedge if I have to because it doesn't happen I've been doing it a long time my guys have been doing it a long time we've studied it we know what we're looking for with the interaction through the turf however every once in a while you get someone who's skeptical and what we will do is after fitting we can say hey look here this is the wedge let us get it set up to your specs, lie, length, grip size. If we can shaft, go borrow it for a day and go hit it on your golf course and hit it out of the different lies that you, which you want. I have done this a couple of times with a couple of golf pros, friends of mine, um, who were skeptical. They, they came in to get fit and they're like, you know, yeah, you really can't do wedges. I said, yeah, I can. Like, well, you know, I said, okay, we'll tell you what we'll do this. And then I took them over. And to, to the to short game practice area at my club. And we did a test. And what we did was we, we, we hit all different kinds of shots that they would hit out of all different kinds of situations. Obviously, we only have one kind of grass, basically, or, you know, one kind of situation. We don't have Bermuda grass. We don't have, you know, we, we can only get the, the kinds of lies you're going to get in, you know, on Long Island. But we hit all different shots. We, and we hit them with three or four different soles of wedges. And we ranked them and we did it blind, meaning that the guy hitting the shots had no idea what wedge, because I would not let him see the bottom of the wedge when, when I put them in, the hands, in their hands, out of the rough, out of the bunker, long bunker, short bunker. Um, if we could, you know, a fluffy bunker, if we could, a, 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 a real firm bunker. And we'd rank, we ranked them because in a perfect world, we could have, you know, if the USGA didn't say we have 14 clubs, you could have just 14, just 14 different wedges and make it a lot easier to run around the greens. But you can't do that. You have to, there's always compromises you're making because you're only allowed 14 clubs. That means, you know, you may be two or three or four wedges. Occasionally we got five wedges in someone's bag, but you know, that's not the, that's not the norm, right? So you, you have to compromise and you have to find the wedges that are going to work the best. We've done these tests Every single time, the wedge that I predicted that they would use inside is the wedge that they that they got, and those have actually been home runs because those guys have been like, "Hey, listen, you would get fair for, for wedges. Just go see Woody because I didn't believe him. I didn't buy it. He and he showed me hands down what would be best. And quite honestly, a lot of times the wet the, what they thought they wanted is not what would what worked best for them." Oh, I want I want a lot of relief. I need I've died. I don't need a lot of bounce. Okay, and we hit the shots. We did the ranking. They're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I remember those shots. I hit some horrible shots. Well, that's the one wedge you wanted. But the perfect world is yes. Outside with technology, outside is the perfect world. It's not reality. Now, if you're going to a you don't have a a a, a really good fitter. It's tough. One of the things you can do if you can get your hands on, let's say, I'm going to use Vokey, for example, because I, I love all the options, and I can get my hands on three different Vokey wedges with three different uh, uh, soles, and I can go and try and hit the shots, and you can do it blind, right, if you could, if you can, hit, you know, club A, club B, club C, and try and hit the different shots around the green and rank yourself, and then you can, you could say, well, this, you know, this wedge here had my highest ranking, but it's got the most bounce. I really didn't think I would like that wedge. Well, but it's got the highest ranking. Yes, there's times when it's going to be not going to be optimal for you, but overall, it's got the highest ranking. 
So you're just using essentially a combination of, you know, another reason for golfers to have as much information as possible when they go to a fitting. You're combining that with the delivery of the golf club on the launch monitor and then, you know, coming up with the makeup of the set. Um, another question we got is really, you know, the makeup of your, let, let's assume a golfer, let's just say, is going to have three wedges. Varying the bounce and grind of the wedges, like how important is that? I know it's different from player to player, but what are some general thoughts on that? Okay, so again, very important for you folks listening, no set rules. Uh, if I have a choice, I would prefer to have my most bounce in my middle wedge and my least bounce in my highest lofted wedge. But that doesn't mean you can do that for every player and every player is going to be a little different. So if you look in, in my in my uh, my bag, um, I have a big full sole in my 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 50 degree, a big full sole in my 54 degree and a lot of bounce, but a lot of relief in the heel and the toe in my 60 degree or it's actually got a bent to 61. But. But that's what works best for my for my game. I, I wanted to bring this up. I think it's really important. John, when we first started, you were talking about that shot that I hit off a really tight lie and how I got the got the ball up and stopped. I did that with an effective uh, a, 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 a wedge that has, I don't know, 13 or 14 degrees effective bounce. A lot of bounce. So, but you, you say, like, you can't hit that off a tight lie because of the way I use the wedge. I absolutely can. Real important that you know you say you can't do something with one wedge. There are certain players that could not do that. There are certain players that would have no chance with a, that, but they couldn't use that wedge maybe any place. Did you reduce the bounce in that shot? So you have a club with high bounce, but a lie that almost... Yeah, I reduced the bounce in all my shots because my hands are always ahead. Okay. Always ahead. But I've got the face open because I've got a lot of heel relief so I can open the face without adding, adding more bounce. Well, and I think the perfect... Uh... It, it, it's you controlled the turf interaction perfectly as well right uh that that's that's the key like i me and adam have played some uh simulator golf together and we were on facetime one time and i'm watching him hit his wedge shots even off an artificial bat versus mine and i could see his skill with wedges he's like putting a crazy amount of spin on it and controlling where the club's bottoming out or uh, whereas me it's i just don't that that's the part of the game where my skill lacks as much with the turf interaction so um yeah it's, it's that that's so I, I think you know essentially we're talking about turf interaction with, with wedge play is that that that's like do, do you view that as like one of the top problems you're looking to solve for most players with wedges? Yes, correct. I'm trying to give them the best chance to have the best turf interaction for how they swing. So uh, let's say, for example, that someone is shallow and doesn't deal. I, I have a very good player uh, friend of mine who does is, is quite shallow and does not uh, uh, hit down at all. You know, it's a, it's a she and she's maybe with, you know, two, three degrees down. Um, she can't use a, a lot of bounce at all. I, I, impossible. A, a, um, in her for her and her wedges. That's that's her style of game. She's a picker. She's shallow. Um, and she's amazing with a wedge. So what I would could use, she she certainly could not use. Um, I think we got you know all caught up on the bounce thing. We 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 kind of skipped a step, right? Because 
we got to have size with any club, right? Size, shaft, head type. So when we're talking head type, we're talking total soles, but we, we skipped over size. We skipped over over uh, uh, shaft. Well, I think that's that was. Yeah, I, I'm happy we, we we started cover. I mean, we do have a lot of other things to get to. We can do a whole episode on bounce. Yeah, it's it's so important, and, and and I guess we we do have to move on at this point because we can't spend the whole episode on it. But it, you know, it's a question that people get: is that like you know what I've learned from you is like having the variation in bounce and then matching it. Um, in your set, having different bounces for different shots, and then more importantly, matching it to the tendencies of the golfer and how they deliver the golf club and the turf interaction. It's so important. One thing that you said earlier um, that people don't always have or they don't always need the the bounce that they think they need. You know, your example earlier, you would you would guess that most better players are going to come in and say, oh, I'm really good. I don't need much bounce. Whereas right. the most better players are probably the ones leaning the shaft forward more and they're going to need more bounce. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas a high handicapper who's who's kind of scooping at it, they're already adding bounce through their technique. You give them a club with more bounce and that's going to make them worse. So they, they might be the candidate for less bounce in that regard. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah, that that's an awesome point because you're right. Most... I've seen so many stories of like really good golfers who are like grinding the wood, like yeah. grinding it down to nothing. And, and, and as you know, you can go back to our episode with Andrew Rice, where we talked about um, kind of the traits of great wedge players, you know, good wedge play is controlling trajectory and spin. And one of the great ways to do that is de-lofting, you know, to hit those like mid trajectory wedges that don't balloon on you and you can control the distance and spin well is that, you know, the better wedge players are all de-lofting a bit, not not some de-loft more than others, but that's kind of a, a shared trait amongst a lot of great wedge players. So that, that's an awesome point you made. All right. So do we want to like take a step back? I know we need to talk about like loft gapping. I know shafts are important. Lie angle is super important for wedges. You know, that that's you know, the most important one to get right. So you want to take a step back here and, and go over some of that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about size. So I, I always prefer to do a wedge fitting after I've done an iron fitting because I've got I want to figure out my 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 I like I'd like my length to match into what I've done with my irons. I would like my shaft, especially on the clubs that I'm going to use around the greens, to be heavier than the shaft that's in my irons. So Let's just take, for example, uh, if I've got a 95-gram shaft in my irons. At some point, I would like that wedge to be 105, maybe 110 grams. Where that is is player-dependent, right? So it could be, a lot of times, where do you use your gap wedge? So, well, I hit my gap wedge for 120 yards, and I don't use it around the green very often. Okay, I want that shaft then to match my iron set. Where do you use your other two wedges? Well, I use my 54 uh, around the greens for lower shots and my, my 58 for higher shots. Great. We want to go heavier there. Why? Because you're making a, a, a less volume swing. So you need a, a little more weight gives you a little bit more feel. However, I can't tell you how many times people come in. They've got graphite shafted iron, so 65 grams, and they've got a stock a dynamic old wedge shaft in their wedges and they wonder why they their wedge game is just struggling so much well they went from 65 grams to 123 grams 
no good. No, 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 no good. Next question people often ask about is, is flex. In wedges, at the end of the day, when you get over 50, 51 degrees of loft, what a shaft can do to how a, how a, a ball performs is very little. I remember many years ago, a friend of mine um, in Chicago built a this wedge fitting system, and he he built this all these shafts, and he's like, "This is great. We're going to ha- be able to show people how the shaft affects the wedges." And I saw him a few months later, and I said, "How does it work out?" He goes, "We we we we, we couldn't see any difference in the performance of because the loft has taken over, so that the 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 extra hundred RPM or less hundred RPM spin." or launch is was so negligible because loft has taken over. However, there's a huge feel, uh, um, feel component. Um, this is something that Bob Volke just talks about all the time. And he, 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 he loves to talk about how he's working with tiger and tiger was using, um, the same X 100s in his wedges as he was using in his, his, his irons. Um, you can't get really heavier, right? X100 is close to his heavy shaft, so you can't put a heavier shaft in there. But Volke said to Tiger, you've got to go to S400. You've got to make that shaft a little bit more flexible. So when you're hitting those, he used to say, those syrupy, smooth shots, you can feel it a little bit better. It's all about feel. Tiger did that when it, and his wedge game got a lot better. So shaft is a lot about feel. How the, how the shaft feels on those soft shots that you hit, not full shots. Does it affect the lie angle as well? Because I know when you swing a club, it flexes the shaft, and then that causes some droop. Uh, right, impact. right. So you can and have so the least, that... least amount of droop in a wedge shaft, right? It's a shorter shaft. There is still droop, and that's why, you you know, you... you you don't want to go from a shaft, a 65 gram shaft that might be drooping a ton to a 123 gram shaft that maybe is much stiffer and not drooping nearly as much. So, yes. So, so is, that a, is that a rule of thumb for most players that you're going to look for a little heavier weight compared to their iron set and a little more flex? Or does that vary from golfer to golfer? A little golfer? heavier, yes. Little, little more flex, not always. But not always. Yeah, sometimes depending. It's you know, it's player dependent upon what they might like the feel of and what what is easily uh, uh, gotten for what their their needs are. I, I know one of the questions we got, by the way, was that you know, should I should I use steel shafts in my wedges, and I've got graphite shafts in my irons. We do that a lot. Just got to be a lightweight steel shaft, right? So if I've got you know, I can I can go seventy five gram graphite shafts. I can put a ninety five gram steel shaft in my wedges. Absolutely, do it a lot. And one, you could answer this very quickly. Is there any merit in installing an eight iron shaft in your wedges? It supposedly helps with flight and spin. That was another question we got. It does. Again, it's not going to affect flight and spin because what you can you can't see the differences because of the loft. However, however, it does affect the feel. If you're looking for that softer shaft, you put the A-iron shaft in your wedge, it's going to have a completely different feel, and a lot of players like that feel. So it's something that you that's done, something that we've done plenty of times. Got it. Let's take a quick break there, and we'll be right back. And we're back. 
so we talked about shafts. Um, obviously, it's a little different than irons. Um, weight and flex are, are still important, just like we've talked about with irons and drivers. Um, is there anything else significant on shafts that you look at? I like to keep the profile of the shaft, if I can, similar to that that I have in the iron. So let's say, for example, I've got a soft tip shaft in my irons. I'd like to keep my wedge shaft to be softer strictly for a feel purpose, not for a launch and spin purpose, but for a a, a feel purpose. Uh, and I think, you know, that's the, again, when you're getting to these these shots you're hitting around the green, there's a lot more feel. It's a lot less feel when I'm trying to hit a full seven iron doesn't mean I won't go differently. I will, player-dependent. But if I can, I like to keep the profile the same. But other than that, I think we covered pretty much covered it. I've learned from you that lie angle becomes more important as loft increases, correct? Correct. Adam, that, that's part of the D-plane. Am I, am I speaking correctly? Yeah, the 3D face. So if you can imagine, they, they have those little tools that are magnetic that you clamp onto the face and it gives you, uh, just imagine sticking a tee, a golf tee on the face and it, it points in one direction. Uh, most people don't understand, but that is what is meant by face direction. And if you were to have the club come in to toe down, too much toe down, that is going to, uh, that is going to point the effective face more to the right or the 3D face more to the right. And the more toe up the club is at impact, the more that 3D face will point to the left. And that is more pronounced with a wedge because there's a, a higher amount of loft on it. It makes no difference with a club with zero loft. Um, but it, the more loft there is, the more that up, toe up and toe down has an effect on the face angle di- directionally. So essentially, as we said in the iron fitting, which lie angle is important as well, is that you're making the, if you don't have the, the lie angle, you're making the game harder for yourself directionally. Is that a, is that a statement that you would stand by, Woody? Absolutely. And, and also like turf interaction as well. You want the, the sole of the club to be as level as possible when it makes contact with the turf rather Correct. than having the toe up or heel down. So yeah, let's talk about, um, let's talk about how you fit, uh, how you fit for lying. A couple things. If I'm going to make an error on, let's talk about the 58 or 60 wedge. If I'm going to make an error there. I always want to make sure that toe enters the ground first, because if that toe enters the ground first and you hit the ground first, the club opens that softer, higher right shot on that little baby shot hurts you a lot less than when the club face closes and it goes left and you go long left bad <laughs> i'm glad you said that woody because i've i've recently changed my club so that they're, they're all three degrees flatter and it's just you know i i grew up well i didn't grow up i, I grew up playing regular uh which was too upright for me then at some point i flattened them and i played great golf and then recently i got fit for level again and i've played awful so i flattened <laughs> them back again and i'm playing great again and so yes. my clubs are coming in actually toe down and i found the exact same thing as you the biggest issue for me with the the upright clubs was if i hit just a little behind it that club would flip over and i'd hit it a mile left with the wedge and i hated it whereas now if i hit it a touch fat it's barely offline if anything correct is that a rule of thumb I've often heard people say like, oh, if you want to get wedges, get them flatter, especially for better wedge players. Does that have any meaning that 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 advice that's been floating around? Yes, but it's that's very 
it's a bit it's Quite i would generic. say it's more of a it's a correct statement in general but yeah. boy it's way too general so what i'm able to do with the quad is i'm able to measure and see how the person's lie is coming through on the 20 40 60 80 100 yard shot you have handle rise and adam can speak much better about handle rise than than i will but as a club fitter a lot of players have a lot of handle rise and so therefore they're coming with the toe down in the ground all of a sudden you reduce their speed and that handle rise goes away a lot of times so in a weaker player you might have a much bigger discrepancy difference in a in a lie in a uh, let's say of a seven iron and lie of a of a of a, of a wedge um you could even have a, a wedge that is flatter than a let's say the 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 um by by a decent amount than a than a seven iron. Let's say your seven iron is sixty four degrees of, of lie. You might have a, a wedge that's coming through at sixty two. Now mathematically, his that person's wedge should be sixty six, but or sixty seven even depending upon how you you're going to slice it up. Um, but they have a lot of handle rise in their game, and therefore they need a more upright lie on the on the rest of their irons. Assuming they're not going to work on it, which is something we always would talk with them about. Um, but they don't do that with that shorter shot, so their wedge needs to be a lot flatter. But you, you want to measure that dynamic lie on those different shots to see where it, where it is and what you're going to, where, where you're going to go, where, 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 how you're going to change it. And just for people to visualize this, I don't know if not everyone's obviously been on a GC quad, but it, 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 it correct. It's the only launch monitor that, that can offer that because it's taking a, a camera picture of the club at impact. You actually see what your iron or wedge looks like at impact, whether the toe is up in the air or the heel is up in the air. It's actually quite interesting to look at. Um, can you, you know, we talked about live boards on the iron episode. Um, any different information with that? You know, not everyone has access to the, the GC quad, but what are your thoughts on using the live board for, for wedge? I mean, uh, I guess a live board might be better for, partial shots but boy i haven't used one in so long for, i wouldn't I, I don't you know i don't like them i mean you know the nice thing about a live board maybe you can see where where your wedge is coming where the sole of the club is hitting coming through the ground right so you can see am i was my was my leading edge of the club hitting the ground first is the back edge of my hitting the ground first but uh, so you can use stickers on the bottom of the club for that right and it it bruises a sticker I, i'm just anti-live board i a live board lies too much <laughs> you know what was interesting, Adam? Someone sent me an email the other day of their impact on the divot board, and they they, they had sprayed the face of the club, and it was a center strike. Um, and but the, the 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 divot pattern on the divot board started behind the ball on the right side, so it looked like his toe was digging into the ground earlier. Um, on the the divot board was picking up on it, and then like as it made ball contact and after it looked quite level, um, so it looked like it was picking up on a little bit of a toe first impact um, while it was centered center strike. You can get those entries different for the toe being down or or heel being up. Yeah, or or because the face is entering open or closed. I tend not to use the divot board to see those type of things. I just look at where yeah, it's you a little too sensitive. Ground. Yeah. yeah. What's up, Sweet Spot listeners? We have a special offer for you from America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. 
HelloFresh offers 50 weekly recipes featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you'll never get bored. You can try something new every week. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. My wife and I recently cooked a few of their meals and we were extremely impressed. We had a delicious pork loin with a honey sauce and I have to say it tasted just as good as from a top restaurant. And we've got a special offer for Sweet Spot listeners. Go to HelloFresh.com Sweet16 and use coupon code Sweet16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Once again, that's HelloFresh.com Sweet16 and use code Sweet16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. But lie is critical. It's, I mean, if, if, if there's any, again, the more lofted club, the more the lie is critical. So it is most critical on your highest lofted wedge. And, but we may have to make a decision here, right? So let's say on my, I'm, I've got a, 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 a six degree wedge and my full shot goes 85 yards. And 85 yards, like 64 degree angle, which is, that's kind of the standard I hate to use that word standard. I'm sorry, but in generically, that's where a lot of companies have their the, the lie of their 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 wedge. And at my 85 yard shot, my wedge is coming to the ground perfect. But the minute I go to my my 20 yard shot, my toe is up in the air two degrees. I'm probably bending that wedge to 62 degrees because I think it's going to hurt that person way more on the short shot. When the, if the toe flips over, then it will affect it on that 85-yard shot if the toe hits the ground first. So it's kind of a sacrifice between the turf interaction on the shorter shot and, I guess, the maybe accuracy or starting angle of the ball on the longer shot? Correct. Correct. Like anything else, you're making trade-offs here because yeah. you can't have, you know, too many. You only have 14 clubs. Well, using the word standard, like, so... One of the reasons we do these episodes is just to kind of, I know not everyone has access to a fitter like Woody, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. You know, I get all these emails being like, hey, I'm in Chicago, or I'm so-and-so. Can I, do you know someone? Unfortunately, I don't. Um, I think the industry is changing, and there's there's better and better fitters out there with, with good information and tools to measure. But you know, the question I have, thinking about people who are listening to this, is that you know, when you go and buy a wedge, like Adam did, let's face it, <laughs> he just showed up to the store. Now, I'm not ragging on Adam because he has a lot more info than the common golfer, and he's making much more intelligent decisions. But anyone who shows I up to the store... three degrees flat anyway, so they're, okay, they were pure stock. <laughs> so let's say it was someone who didn't know what they were doing, and they're getting quote-unquote standard with no lie angle adjustment. What percentage of golfers that come to your door are you altering the lie angle for? Like, do, do you know that off the top of your head, or can you guesstimate that? 70%. Okay, so more often than not, you are going to change the lie angle to accommodate how they are delivering the club, either on the shorter shots, the longer shots, and making that distinction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that we'll all think I'll tell you is that most companies are only going to go up or down maybe two degrees on, on a wedge, right? Well, what if you need three degrees? In Adam's case, he needs three degrees down. You cannot order that from the manufacturer. Why? Why? Because the manufacturers worry about the cosmetics, if you start bending a club more than two to two degrees, cosmetically, a lot of times it can you can crack the finish, uh, and it won't look pristine. And they don't want to sell a new golf club that way. I tell people I'm a performance guy. If you need a sixty degree wedge at sixty degrees live, which is four degrees flat, 
and you want a Vokey, for example, they're not doing it. They're only going to 62 degrees. We do it all the time. Sometimes you crack the finish. Sometimes you don't. You're never going to, the club is not going to break. You're not going to break the steel. You're only going to break cosmetically outside how it might look. But man, if you need 60 degrees on your 60 degree wedge, forget what it looks like. Best performance, you got to do it. But you've got to have got to go to go a fitter that's well that's experienced and willing to do that because you're not going to be able to get it from 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 the OEMs. As I said before, great wedge play is a combination of turf interaction, distance control, and trajectory control. So a lot of that has to do with launch angle and spin and that type of stuff. So. What else are you looking for in the head makeup? Obviously, loft plays a role in like center of gravity. Like, how else are you d- looking at the numbers from a golfer that they're showing on the launch monitor and then saying, like, okay, I think this player might be better in the Callaway wedge or the Taylor made one? Like, how are you arriving at these different heads and lofts and, and type of stuff? Let me put my engineering hat on for a second so I, I think you can understand how the wedge works, right? So, we could have two wedges at, at 50 degrees. One with a very high center of gravity and one with a low center of gravity. I'm going to use Volkey, for example. If you go back and you get a, maybe a 10-year-old Volkey 50-degree wedge and you get a, um, a current SM, SM, well, SM8, but SM9 is coming, and you took the, both of those 50-degree wedges and you hit them, chances are the old one would go much shorter. The reason why is the center of gravity was higher, it would spin more. So the higher the center of gravity, the more it's going to spin. The lower the center of gravity, the less it's going to spin, the higher it's going to launch. So what do I want in my wedges? Well, in my highest lofted wedge, my six degree wedge, I want as high a center of gravity as I can get because I want the ball to spin as much as I can. In my middle wedge, well, I don't want as high, as high a center of gravity because I don't want to balloon my full shots and I'm not really trying to hit maximum spin with that wedge so i've got to lower my center gravity a little bit and then in my gap wedge i've got to lower it even more so again i can hit that distance and that shot i'm not going to hit the ball harder and have it actually go shorter because spun more um i use Volky because they did an amazing job of researching this and understanding why and he has a great team of engineers uh, and figuring oh we got to we have to fix this so kind of crazy thing you'd say well i want as high as center gravity in my wedge as i possibly can can well i actually uh, uh, a japanese company built a prototype wedge which we got a chance to test many many years ago and that it was a highest cg as possible and man it spun like crazy but you wouldn't use it it felt horrendous Because basically everything was a thin shot, right? Yeah, you were striking it so far yeah, away from the sweet spot, it right? <laughs> felt horrible. So you've got to, the engineer has got to figure out a way to get that center of gravity high, as high as they can get it, but have the, the wedge feel solid so I can hit those feel shots. Because if you can't feel the difference in the shots, it's really going to be hard to hit those different shots around the, around the greens. We talked about center, I mean, in driver fitting, center of gravity is so important because it can change the entire presentation of the ball flight, you know, whether it's whatever loft is stamped on it, the the center of gravity 
will have so much influence on on how it launches and spin rate and all that stuff. So how and and one of the things I would encourage people to go back to that episode is you said how different manufacturers have different philosophies and trade offs they make with the center of gravity placement. Is there that? Is there less of a discrepancy in that between the wedge uh, types between manufacturers? Is it more narrow in the sense, or is it? you know, that big of a difference. It's a little more narrow. It's a little closer, but they all still have their same, you know, they're, they're designing wedge a for the player that they think that is most out there. Remember that if you've, I mean, I think a thousand types of, of players is a, a low estimate, but how many wedges can one company have? Right. So, you know, in, in a six degree wedge, if they've got four models, that's a lot, right? Well, you got to, but there's a thousand different needs. So they're trying to cover the gamut and, and putting people into groups and boxes. Well, as a fitter, I've got all these tools available to me. I could say, well, you're better with a Vokey. John, we gave you a, a ping, right? You got, you have, you have ping wedges. Yeah. So give, give an example of, I always want to answer that question is like someone walks in the door and obviously Vokey has the brand name. They're an excellent company. Obviously you've worked with them for years, but you are agnostic in how you fit golfers. You're not just going to give them a Vokey just for the name. So in my instance, like why, why did you give me those ping wedges versus going to a Vokey, for example, give a hypothetical. You probably needed a wider sole in your middle wedge than you can really get in a Vokey. Their biggest, their F grind is 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 big, but it's not big. And you, the the ping, their their wide sole is 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 substantially wider. Um, I want to say three or four millimeters wider, but uh, don't quote me on that. Um, and you you needed that, so that's why we went. Well, I can't go here for the for the Volky. Um, by the way, he has a grind like that. It's just not. He's not going to sell. They feel they're not going to sell enough of them, so it's not something that's readily uh, readily available. Volky has the most options, so as a fitter, the more options you have, the better, right? So the more options you can give me in 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 soles and and you know uh, let's let's talk about you know grinds, right? So every company determines what their grind is. So Ping, they call it WS, is that's their wide sole, right? They have determined that this is what they're looking to do um, in a wide sole wedge, how much they want to make it. Actually, probably has less measured balance than maybe their standard sole, but because the sole is so wide, it's got a lot more effective bounce. And with your big shaft lean, John, you needed a, a, a big, long sole. It would work better for what you do. So that's why we chose that. So I think one of the questions we get, and to be honest, it confuses the heck out of me, is like the K grind, the F grind. Like, what <laughs> what does it mean? It's just Bob uh, Volke's way of 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 putting. Um, he he try. I, you know, I I I know all what those things are 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 were were, were what what tour player they were designed for. Like the L grind was for lefty. Uh, I think the K grind was for Tom Kite. I could be wrong about that. Um, but they were all, all a, a, a grind that Vokey came up with that a particular player that he had great success with a particular player. And so therefore he used that. He uh, will we'll call it the K player for, for, for Tom Kite, right? Well, a K grind in a Vokey is a big wide sole with a lot of effective bounce. 
Um, but every company, every company has these kinds of wedges. They just they're naming it something different. We you talk about I'm using a, I'm using a a rescue, right? Well, rescue that's that's a, a tail made patented name, right? You're using a hybrid. Everyone says I'm using a rescue, but it's like a Xerox. Well, it's like Xerox is a copy. Tailmade kind of made the hybrid come come first, and everyone thinks I'm using a rescue, but that's a, that's only a tailmade rescue. Everyone else has to call them hybrids. They can't call them rescues. So they're just kind of making different, I guess, buckets of of players or, or, or wedge deliveries, like the the picker with the shallow angle of attack, or someone like me who's the the shaft leaner and maybe was going down on it a bit. So there's. There's different profiles these grinds are trying to match up with. Is that, is that a fair statement? Correct, correct. Uh, but I'd be remiss in saying that sometimes for really good players, we're going to take that wedge and grind it ourselves because we want more relief. We want, we want a little less bounce. We want a little more camber. We might, you know, get into grinding it ourselves. It's something that you, you like know. Phil Mickelson. <laughs> <laughs> What is camber and what, what does it do? Well, so that leading edge camber, right? So the more that, that that leading edge is rounded, the less the wedge is going to tend to dig in the ground. The sharper it is, the more it's going to dig into the ground. Um, you know, like if you went and got an old, grabbed an old set of McGregor's from the 70s and you grabbed the 7-iron and you, you know, just hit it into the... It, would, it wants to dig into the ground. Uh, uh, turf interaction is something that these engineers spend you know, a lot of time researching. Um, and it's while it's important on iron, it's most important on a wedge. So camber is leading edge then, because I always thought it was the curve of the actual bounce itself, the sole. That was a misconception. Well, it's, I, I, I'm saying, I'm going to say camber is the radius of the leading edge. But if you want to say, if the, if I have relief in the heel or the toe, there's a lot of different ways you can, you can, you can, you can determine that. So you can camber um, both then. Yes, absolutely. With a certain grind, then does that so does that affect how much bounce is there if you were to open the face? So say I was to get two wedges and open ah. the face on them, that's going to add bounce. But would a certain grind grind add less bounce? Ah, great question. The answer is yes. So if I, if you look at the bottom of a sole, let's just assume that we got a rectangle for a sole, right? If I've got a full rectangle in my in my heel. And I open my face, I'm adding more and more bounce because that heel is hitting the ground first. Mm-hmm. Okay? If I've taken relief out of that out of that heel, I also have to take relief out of the toe because the toe can also hit the ground first. So, and so that my, in the center of the sole of the wedge, I've got a full sole. But when I get to the heel of a toe, I've grounded off. So I've got, let's call it a half sole. Yeah, you might look at almost like that's like a a, a C shaped, um, a, 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 a crescent shape. That wedge will have a lot less effective bounce as I open it because I've taken that relief from the toe and the heel, which would hit the ter- hit the ground first. But it's not because I've grounded away. Yeah, that makes sense. What's next on the topic? Are we still on, still on grind? I've got grooves as a as a topic, but unless you got more to add on the grind. <laughs> Oh, what else do we got to do loft, correct? Like gapping and stuff like that. That's obviously important with wedges. Yep. Yep. So again, my, my priority I like to is what shots are they trying to hit it around the green? So let's say uh, we have gaps. So, so someone says, well, I hit my gap wedge 120 
I hit my middle wedge, uh, 105, and my lob wedge, well, that only goes uh, um, 75. There's a big gap between that 75 and that 105, right? They're going to have to do a lot of, uh, of fooling around there. Um, we don't like that. However, what shots are they trying to hit around the greens? Well, if they don't have enough loft, they can't hit that small shot around the green, so we have to sacrifice and have that gap. We might then say, well, let's, say, let's make that 105 club go, you know, 100, so we can, and tr maybe we'll, we'll, we'll try to go, you know, 120, 175. We're not going to sacrifice on the 75 because we need that for around the greens. What, what are they good at doing? So some people are real good at taking a little bit off a gap wedge and some people are horrible. So, well, we've got to have a real good gap here because this person is not good at taking any, at taking a lot off. So we've got to keep their gap. It's 15 yards between clubs. It's 12 yards, 10 yards between clubs. We've got to keep that all the way, all the way through, maybe up to that last, that last wedge. Again, that last wedge, maybe we make a big fall off because we're only allowed 14 clubs and we need a club for around the green. So we're going to take a, make a, make a big gap there. Do you usually start with the, you work off of like the pitching wedge and then you kind of go from there, like you're seeing how far that player hits their pitching wedge and, and then determining what's like the next loft slash yardage they're going to hit from there? Correct. Correct. But a lot of times it's also what, what, what shots are going to hit around the green. So, well, they uh, your gap wedge. One of the questions we ask is, where would you use your gap wedge? If you tell me that I use it 95% of the time for full shots, I want the gap wedge that matches the set. Why? It's going to fill in the best gap. And then we go with our middle wedge and our higher lofted wedge. But I'm all talking about four wedge setups. We might not have a four wedge setup. You might have a three wedge setup. You might have a, only have a two wedge setup. setup, setup. Are you getting into more three, four wedge setups um, because of how they're... I'm not going to say loft jacking, Woody, but I'm just saying <laughs> with pitching wedges, they are not the same as they used to be in terms of distance and loft. Are you getting into more three or four wedges because of that gap issue? Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I, I hit my pitching wedge 145 yards. The standard for the avid golfer who's probably listening to this, you're probably going to have four wedges in their set. Yeah. Because... They're, they're, the, the, the distance in which their pitching wedge goes, they're going to have to have three more wedges after that to be able to control their distances. And you can't say, well, I've got a pitching wedge that goes 145 and my next club goes 110. You're in a lot of trouble, John. Yeah, exactly. That's why I, I, need, I need to have that gap wedge. It's just a, it's a, right. And I don't use my gap. Like for me, like I'm a player who doesn't use... My gap wedge is always for full. I'm using it from 115 to 125-ish, 130 at most yards. Um, I'm not using it around the greens very much. Right, so you want the one that matches the set, so it gives you the best gap because mathematically the genius engineers that have designed those clubs know how to move the center of gravity around and just the loft so that we'll get the right gap, just like it is from your 7-iron to your 8-iron to your 9-iron to your pitching wedge to your gap wedge. And then we're going to, where are you? We've got two more wedges to go. Maybe we can go three wedges if you've got room in your bag for a 62 degree wedge or something like that. Don't do a whole lot of that, but sometimes we do. 
my highest voltage wedge is, is it, if you look on the back, it says 58, but it's 61 degrees. So we are going to bend things. Um, I think it's important to remember that when, as I, I, when we're trying to figure out the right sole for someone, if we, every degree of loft that we add, we're adding a degree of bounce. Every degree of loft we take off, we're taking off a degree of bounce. So for someone, we might take a six degree wedge and bend it to 58 because we want a little less, we want two degrees less bounce. Someone else like myself, we might say, well, I, I need even need more bounce. So let's take that 58 and bend it to 61. So we're adding more bounce. So as we're adjusting our loft gaps, we are affecting our, our bounce on our wedges. So we got to be careful because, oh, I've got perfect gaps, but I've got, I've got my sole, my turn friend direction on my short shots is going to be uh, 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 all over the place. I can't be consistent. I guess sometimes it, I guess answering, yeah, you know, we got a, we got a few questions. Well, like how many wedges should I carry? And I guess it's, it's almost a fight between the top of the bag and the bottom of the bag, right? Cause then you're, you know, you have to consider, cause we only have 14 clubs. You have to say for some golfers, like, do you want more hybrids and fairway woods or long irons versus like more wedges? Like for me, I'd prefer more wedges. I like having four wedges. I like having, you know, pitching wedge by 50, 56 and 60. And I could live with, you know, having less options at the top of my bag. So is that something that you take into consideration? Also, you need to have that discussion with the golfer on what's going on with those hybrids and fairway woods. Absolutely. Yes, because we've got to get the right clubs in their bag for them and their game and where they're playing. We talk about gaps for a second. The number that's talked about with these wedge guys is four to six degrees between clubs. They don't like to see more than six degrees between clubs. But that doesn't mean that you might not go seven or eight degrees. So we're we've got a player. Listen, I really struggle from my, my with my longer clubs, and I'm really good around the greens. And I only use a 58 degree to hit 95 percent of my shots around the green. So maybe we go, you know, to a 52, 58, or a 50, 58, and we go eight degrees between our 50 and our 58 degree. So they can get more another club in the in the top of their bag. That's what their needs are. It's that's all part of the conversation that we're having before we've hit one shot as to you know what what do we have, and that's why you know you 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 don't want to do wedges first because you got to figure out those other things and figure out what's your priority. Go ahead. But the questions we got was about turf conditions. Yes. So. Uh, one of the things that we, we, we do ask our players is where do you play most of your golf? So I know the turf conditions here on Long Island. I don't know the turf conditions well in Texas. I've played there before, but I don't know. I know the conditions a little bit in Florida because I played a, a, a bunch there. And that definitely is, it has to do with, with, with your wedges. Do you want to have three different six degree wedges in your bag? My general answer would be no. And the reason why is unless you're playing golf for a living, it's really hard to change those wedges and have them react differently. I think it's a better, more important to have the best tools for you and the general conditions you play. And then when you go to different conditions, maybe you use your wedges differently. And I'll use an example of many years ago, we're down in Florida and a lot of those shots that you see me hit, John, I was just struggling with. I'm hitting them fat like you, you can't believe it. Bermuda grass just grabs the soul. Uh, I don't want to talk. I hate Bermuda grass. And, and, I just can't handle it. 
Kirk says to me, T take your 54 degree wedge, I had a 54 degree wedge at a time with a lot of bounce on it. He goes, and open it up and hit that shit. I'm like, yeah, but try it. Well, when I'm in Florida, I might use my 50 degree wedge and have it face way open because I'm trying to cre uh, create as much bounce as I can on a flop shot, which I would never do here in the, in the Northeast because I need as much bounce as possible because that gra it, it, it's just grabbing the grabbing the sole and I like to use the bounce. So am I going to have, a, you know, a different six degree wedge down for down there? No, I'm not. So, but I'm going to use my wedges differently when I'm down there. Now, could you do it? Of course you could. I've got players that do it. I, I, you know, you see players, they go to the British Open, they're playing much firmer conditions and you say, oh, they, they changed their wedges. I think there's less of that going on than you think. I think that they know how those wedges work and they make them, that you know, they've got the best wedges for their game for how they interact with the, with the, with the, with the ground and they are adjusting for those, those firmer conditions, but majority of them are not changing their wedges. Yeah, I think they're relying on what Adam and I talk about on the show so much is they're just their their overall skill. They can adjust based on the turf conditions how they're going to deliver the club. Right. Luckily, in in uh, Britain, you know, if you're playing on links courses, the the demands of the environment usually when it's windy, you're trying to flight it lower, and that's going to reduce the bounce as well. So it's it's a lucky yeah, it's a nice thing matchup. That pairs together. <laughs> yeah, nice matchup. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I I just have a, a middle middle bounce on my wedge and you know if i'm playing on lynx turf when i set that club down i can kind of see the leading edge is sitting up so automatically i'm going to place the ball back lean the shaft forwards a little bit more and i've also played in florida as well i know what you're talking about it's uh i struggled like hell when i first went to florida but once i figured it out you just need a ton of bounce out there so yeah yeah, and even like even where we play, Woody on Long Island, like there are times where we have dry spells in the summer, and you know, depending on the on the course and their watering uh, conditions, like you could have extremely firm turf, and then we'll get three or four inches of rain, and all of a sudden you're playing on a soggy golf course. So, um, you know, we're not changing our wedges for that. So, yeah, I think. Do you think the best solution is just as best you can? match your wedge set to the turf conditions you're most likely to play like if you're someone who's playing in arizona like you're not going to be playing in those soggy conditions like we could um so make your, your best guess and match it to that correct correct and probably have a wedge setup as well that gives you the options yeah like the my, options. my lob wedge is quite low bounce and my sand wedge uh is quite high bounce so if i'm playing on tight turf and i need a high shot i'm going to use my lob wedge Whereas when I'm playing on, on a turf that needs a high shot but needs lots of bounce as well, I just open up the face of my 50, 56 degree. That's the, my preferred setup. But I can't tell you how many players that I talk to them and they struggle out of the sand and they struggle with chunking shorter shots. And we've got them with a big wide sole, a lot of effective bounce, six degree wedge that they only use square and they use it out of the bunker. And they use it out of the rough. And when they've got to hit that tight shot, they're doing it with their middle wedge, which we've got a lot less bounce, effective bounce on it. So it's player specific as to where you're gonna, what you're gonna do. Well, I think one of uh, hopefully, uh, I'm sure a lot of golfers listening to this have never thought about this before. And you know, we we have covered wedge play in some other episodes. Is that whatever set makeup you do have, understanding how 
you know, like for me, I have the higher, the more relief built into my sand wedge and less bounce and relief in my lob wedge. And like what Adam said is like, yeah, if I have a tighter lie, I'm going to use the lob wedge. If I have the fluffier Bermuda Eli, I was just down in Florida a couple of weeks ago. I was almost exclusively using my sand wedge just about everywhere when I was in the rough, um, just to get through it more. Um, so understanding the difference of your wedge set is important to match it with the turf conditions, whether it's soggy, dry, whether you're in the rough, whether you're playing in something like Bermuda, it, it, it's so important because we just keep talking about turf interaction. Right. Let's go on to what Adam said before grooves. Um, and two things pop out in my head about grooves. One is durability. You know, wedges are really the only club in your bag that wears out and you would need to replace your driver and your irons are not really going to wear out. I mean, you said on the iron episode, you can go easily 10 years without them wearing out, but your grooves on your wedges don't last forever. So that's one thing. And then another thing that people always want to know is, is like, well, if I buy that like super premium wedge versus the more budget one, like what's the difference between the grooves? Like those are two topics that come to mind, but you know, maybe you can cover those and whatever else um, you'd like to discuss on the grooves of the actual club. Again, you go back to Volke for a second. Their, their studies show that after the equivalent of 70 rounds, um, the grooves wear enough that there's enough of a difference to buy new wedges. I don't think most people are going to do that after 70 rounds. Most people are not going to see enough difference in a, in a wedge, but that's what their, their science uh, um, says. Is that in wet conditions or dry? Well, <laughs> exactly. What conditions are you playing? Are you playing in sandy conditions where you're, you know, you're wearing the face much more or you're playing in dry conditions where you're not wearing the wedge very much? It's, a, it's too much of a generic term for me. I, I like to look at the wedges myself and see how much are they, are they worn and, again, how much of a difference will it make? Just remember, the grooves on the wedge are kind of like the, the, the treads on your tires on your car. If your tires are bald, it doesn't mean you can't drive your car, and it doesn't mean you're not going to get an accident. It does mean that if the road's got a little little wet and you slam on the brakes, chances are you're going to start skidding, right? Now, every almost every single wedge shot, there is debris between the ball and uh, um, contact on the face. And so the grooves are pulling that debris away so that the club can get uh, get, get better, consistent contact. People think all oh, the grooves are, are for, for spin. Again, Japanese company, we did a test with a flat-faced wedge in a, in a perfect con, you know, conditioned environment in, indoors. You can get you know, phenomenal numbers of spin out of that. Is it practical? No, you can't use it because the minute something gets in between the ball and the club, the spin goes to maybe half or even less than half. So, so you're going to get more more length dispersion then. If you've got a club with less groove uh, or worn grooves, you can you can still spin it if everything's dry, perfect contact. But uh, you know, in realistic conditions, it's going to go longer. It's going to go shorter. The spin rate's going to vary more, right? Right. You don't want that flyer on a twenty yard shot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, lo- I love that analogy. I always I- I've used that analogy so much. The one with the the tire tread it makes so much sense because. When you have perfect conditions, you know, an old born wedge can still spin, but you know, if there's some moisture, let's say you're playing early in the morning and there's moisture in between the and the club and the and the ball rough, like it just it doesn't grab as much. I always whenever I get fresh grooves and a, and a new wedge from you, I always notice that the ball 
grabs more, especially on those tougher lies. Um, and those are really the ones that are the most challenging because you can't spin it as much in general. So if you're hitting it out of the rough on a greenside wedge shot and you are reducing the amount of spin on the ball, well, then you just that that, that your your distance control is is is, is just less effective. So, um, yeah, I mean, is is there a rule of? I know there's no perfect rule of thumb. Um, I practice and play so much that, unfortunately, I, I get to work with you, Woody, that I, I do change my wedges every year. But I don't think that's a realistic goal for most golfers. Like, do you think every two, three, four years, something like that? If you're How playing, much golf like, do you play, right? If you're yeah, playing... yeah, it depends if you're playing. Like, you know, the, the person who's playing 100 times a year, it's different than someone who's playing 20, obviously. Right. And what conditions you're playing in, too. If you're playing, uh, uh, you know, where it's quite sandy based, you're probably going to go through wedges much faster than when it's... Uh, if you're playing so much more soil based, right? So um, it, it's it's also you know what do you do if you geez I hit you know ninety percent of my shots around the green with this one wedge, that's the wedge that's going to wear out the fastest, right? Talk about grooves, by the way. What's the difference between a a premium wedge with the grooves and a a a, a less expensive wedge with the grooves? USGA has got all these great rules. I mean, they, 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 I don't know, I don't know if it was 10 or 15 years ago, they made them change the rules again on the wet, on the, on the grooves. So the precision in which the grooves are put into the uh, wedge determine how consistent they're going to be. So when you're buying a, a high end wedge, there, it's a, it's a much tighter quality control because they're pushing the limits of what the USJ will allow. And they have to have really tight quality control because if they don't, USJ is going to go out and they're going to buy some of those wedges. They're going to measure the grooves and go, oh, those grooves are not conforming. You, those wet your wedges aren't aren't going to aren't are, are, are no good. And then any one of the OMs is not going to be able to sell them if they're not USJ conforming, right? So in order to make them work at their maximum, you have to have very very tight tolerances. So from your manufacturing process, when it let it's an expensive wedge, there's no tight tolerance tolerances. You know, the wedges, the grooves can be all over the place. And groove science, where the grooves are put on the face, the, the you know, there's the depth of them, the spacing between them. Every engineer kind of has a different view on how they work. Uh, but they, these men, but these companies have worked diligently to find what they believe is best to go along with the rest of their package. Where's their center of gravity? How, how is the ball slotting up the face? You know, one of the studies that Ping did was that they found that the chrome surface that they used on um, some of their wedges actually pro pro provided the, the, the grooves a better chance to work and less slippage versus uh, a, a, other, other, you know, chronic chrome coatings or whatever that were put on wedges. So, you know, if you think, by the way, that the raw wedge, the raw wedge spins more. Raw wedge does not spin more. What's a, what's a raw wedge? The it's got, I mean, it's got no chrome, no plating, so it's simply a, a stainless. Uh, 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 it's a it's a it's a piece of steel that they've they've made into your wedge. Usually, they would put a chrome or some kind of plating or a uh, in a, a black finish or a brushed steel or some kind of chrome type finish. If you didn't have that, the wedge is going to rust. Got raw wedge is going to rust. I was going to say, here's one for you, the trusty Rusty. That was my, remember that one? I think it was the Cobra I used to have. Spin more or just marketing? Yeah, marketing. 
rust doesn't make it spin anymore. What about that wedge I bought when I was like 14 that had like the sandpaper on it? What was it called? It was like the Vipers. I don't know what it was. It definitely wasn't conforming, but I bought it and it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's so many. The, the USGA has done a great job in making it hard on these OEMs. Um, and so they had to figure out ways about, about doing you can't You can't just put whatever grooves you want because if you could, they'd have things that didn't matter what you're hitting out of the ball would be coming back at you. Most people are, are purchasing wedges from the major OEMs. And when I say that, I mean like Callaway, TaylorMade, Ping, Titleist, uh, Cobra, Cleveland. Like, would you are you comfortable saying that the groove quality is going to be comparable amongst all those manufacturers, or are you going to see some like significant differences? No, I would say they're comparable. So, where would someone get into trouble with grooves in terms of the quality of them if they start going at like off-brand, like super cheap ones? Because I know Correct. there's all these like random. I mean, I get all these emails of all these like random brands and their wedges and they make all these claims and I'm just like, well, you know, why would I buy yours over a Ping or a Callaway? Like it doesn't, you know, what are they doing that's better or different? The guys and gals that are designing these wedges today are so smart, have so much access to such great technology. Some guy in his garage can't make a wedge that's better. Probably can't even make a wedge that's even close to being as good as those guys and gals are at these big OEMs. So in terms of takeaways for grooves, um, not so much worrying about, you know, if you're buying one of the big brand names, like the quality amongst them, it's more of, yes, this is the only or, or clubs in your bag that really wear out. Like your putter's not going to wear out. You know, your seven iron's not going to wear out, but your, your wedges will. So it's something to keep track of. Is it, um, you said you always look for the wear on the face. If you start, like I look at my lob wedge now after a season, I'm start at my sand wedge. There's marks all over it where I make contact with it. It's probably time to swap it out. Is that what you look for? Yeah, exactly. How 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 worn are they? Um, and you know how if you, the the better player who's hitting it more and more in the a, in a, in a same place is going to wear it faster than the higher handicap who's using the entire face and thus you've got some of these actually some of these wedges now they call full face wedges with grooves all the way out to the toe of the club because that's where a lot of the players are hitting it and they want the grooves to be there reality is it's not really working the way you think it works but um it it does help uh, one of the greatest tips I, I i've ever ever gotten um <laughs> it's kind of a joke but how do you spin it more clean your grooves <laughs> yeah if your grooves are not clean, if you've hit a shot and there's any dirt in those grooves, they're not working the way they're designed to work. So you're going to hit a, a wedge shot. Uh, uh, I remember years ago watching Tiger hit shots on, on, on the range, and he was cleaning the wedge after every single shot. Why? Because he knew that if there's any dirt in there, it was going to affect how the wedge flew, and he was practicing, and he wanted to, to obviously not have that happen. I know one of our guests, Andrew Rice, he's done a lot of cool testing with his track man where he'll like, I've done it myself where I'll like spray, spray the face with some moisture or put dirt on it. And you can see the spin rate decline tremendously. So yeah, if you're playing early in the morning when there's dew on the course, like you're taking some practice swings, like towel it off before you actually make contact with the ball because the more moisture that's on the club face um, before you hit it it's just going to kind of hydroplane and it won't spin as much and dirt just gets in the grooves and, and the grooves can't do their job so yeah that's a super important point like you can use probably a couple thousand rpms of spin in some cases maybe uh, more maybe more 
a lot. I used to be awful for cleaning my clubs as a junior. <laughs> really <laughs> I, bad. So I got I actually... really good at using caked in cake, uh, grooves with caked in mud. I just got really good at predicting it. But now I'm a little bit better. I'll, I'll do a quick product plug here. It's something I saw in Practical Golf and the inventor is a super nice, wonderful man. It's called the Groovit brush. It's kind of blown up, but... Um, this guy essentially invented a much better brush where you can, it's like, has a great magnet that attaches to your bag. You pull it off quickly and it has like really strong bristles and a water reservoir and you like, uh, you can pump it and you spray the face and you wipe it off. Um, something I use every round now, but like it, it, it helps cause you can just like quickly pull it off your bag, squirt, rinse and dry off and it rubs, goes right back on with the magnet. So quick cool product plug it's 25 bucks but it's like someone finally took the crappy club brush that all of us have had over the years that breaks <laughs> and made like a really patented like cool version of it and he's a wonderful man um so i'll give him a quick product plug there it's called the Groovit brush but yeah you got to keep those those grooves clean I, I i've done a lot of testing myself with my launch monitor and it, it's crazy what can happen when you have dirt on the face or water oh yeah that's why I got my second batch of wedges, and that's why it was uh, real last minute. I just grabbed them off the shelf, and uh, it's it's really just a test. Uh, one year old wedges versus brand new wedges. So I'll be doing that test at some point. It's a good test to do, but, but depends on how much golf you played, right? And and again, where you what conditions you played on on on, the, on there. But I tell me, when you change, if you've you've been playing with a worn wedge and you change your wedge. You might actually see your wedges start going a little shorter because they're now spinning more. You've got to be quite aware of that. So we've done bounce, we've done shaft, we've done lie, we've done head, we've done grind, we've done loft, and we've done grooves. Is there anything else? What's left? Are there any other questions that anyone asked that we didn't cover? I, I, I think we covered most of them. I think we did. Uh, I'm kind of scrolling through quickly. John wants to know if he can still keep his alien wedge. <laughs> yeah, can I keep that? Uh, <laughs> I forget the, the name of it, but it, it was so cool. Oh, yeah. That, uh, what do you think? Here's a random question for you. Like, I actually tested one of the infomercial wedges, um, you know, the ones that have, like, massive amounts of the, the soles, like this huge chunk of metal. I think Callaway that's, actually that's the alien wedge. Is that <laughs> yeah. the, like, that, that was the, like, original version of it. There, there are newer ones that are actually better. I think the XE was one of them. Um, and I think Callaway actually makes one called the Sure something. I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that for like, I, I view those as kind of like a last resort. Um, well, well, listen, a lot of people that listen to this aren't, you know, scratch golfers, John. Yeah. They're maybe they're 20 handicaps and maybe they really struggle out of the sand. Maybe they I like, really... to be honest, when I tried it, it was the one that Aaron Olberhauser from the golf channel uh, promotes on the, on the, it was one of the few infomercial products that I actually liked because I suck out of the sand. I'll be very forthcoming with that. I'm not a good, I'm not a good bunker player. And I used one of these out of the bunker and I could just square the face and hit it. Would I play with it on the course? No way. But I actually did a review on it and I was like, yeah, for a 15-20 handicap who really struggles around the greens, I actually think those super game improvement clubs could could help certain players and maybe they're great, John. They can really be great. The the you know, if if you can give that weaker player say look, just hit down on the hit, hit the ground and the wedges are going to dig into the ground. It'll skid along and the ball will get up in the air and you have a chance to 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 get to 
stop on the green, they're going to gain more and more confidence. And they'll then their technique will get better and better and better. So I, I, I like those wedges. I, I don't, many, many years ago, one of the guys, a crazy story, one of the guys who works for me, uh, um, he, he kind of had the yips with his wedge. And he got the, the, this, this Japanese company built this really wide sole wedge, and we call it the magic wedge because he could chunk it all day long and it, did, it wouldn't go into the ground and the ball could get up in the air and get on the green. And he, I mean, he, here's someone that he missed a green. He might not finish the hole. And his wedge game now is phenomenal. What that wedge de- did was it allowed him to play the game and it, that he enjoyed and work on his wedge game. And, and now he doesn't use that anymore. But we call it the magic wedge because here's someone that, you know, they had a wedge in your hand. You, you, you didn't know if they're going to hit the green or, you know, skull out of bounds or chunk it. Uh, and it it made a world of difference. So I, 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 I do. I like those wedges a lot. Yeah, some of them I'm looking at. I think it was the C3i I tested. Actually, you know what? I tried that Square Strike one too. I bought one. I, I kind of did an article on all the infomercial products. Most of them stunk, but the wedges were the only ones I actually liked. Like, you know that Square Strike one? It's like 45 degrees. It's like a yep. better version of the chipper. You know what? I used it. And for someone, again, who has the yips, it gives you a one dimensional shot around the greens where it's kind of like you can uh, use a putting stroke with it. But for someone who, like you said, has the yips um, and there really isn't a better option like trying to play a conventional web, I'm like, if that gets the ball in the green, go for it. Like, I think that's awesome. So, like, like I said, most of the infomercial products I've tested that you see on TV, mostly the training aids, like a lot of them are absolute junk. But a few of the wedges that I tried, I actually, I, I kind of like them. That's why I wanted to ask your thoughts on them. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you responded that way. I really like those, and there's a lot of great, great, uh, great players. I'm scrolling through the questions here. I see one where someone is asking if they could use, you know, a 48 and 56 degree setup. Absolutely, we can because we need more clubs in a longer bag. We may have to be very compromising with that 56 degree wedge, right? Because we've got to get it to use a, a lot of shots. It's got to be a sand shot, the flop shot, the bump and run. So you've, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a wedge that will be okay at some of those things not good at all at some of them um but it's it's going to be you know less it has to be more versatile to hit all those shots but absolutely we do it all the time here's another one i'm seeing we didn't cover this is for women players what are your thoughts on changing out the typical wedge flex in a steel shaft for a lighter weight steel shaft for a more skilled woman player any thoughts on that yeah absolutely so we 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 you know again what what are what weight shafts are we using in our irons? So let's take this. this, this we got a, a um, I have a couple of great, um, highly skilled ladies that we work with, and they're using seventy five gram shafts in their irons. They should not be using one hundred twenty three gram shaft in their wedges. They should be using you know maybe a ninety five degree, so a lightweight steel, maybe an eighty five degree, uh, eighty five gram. Uh, uh, shaft. Um, you also might want to make it softer because they're already using softer shafts, maybe. And so for them to get the feel, we've got to make it even softer. Um, I, 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 I like that a lot. And, and I, I, you know, we're talking here about a lady player, but there's a lot of players doesn't, you know, 
I, I look at a golfer as a golfer. It doesn't matter, man, woman, lefty, righty. Yeah, a female golf club is irrelevant. It's how you're delivering the club, your you know, your swing speed and all that stuff. That just yeah, it's yeah, you know, a, a a quote unquote female club could be the same as maybe a senior club or or a junior club. I don't know what the difference is. Like the club doesn't know what who you are. It only responds to how you're swinging it. Exactly. I'm looking through. I th- I think we I think we covered all the questions. And again, thanks so much to people who continually come up with these questions on Twitter. They're really excellent. We always, we have great listeners who uh, ask awesome questions. Um, so are we ready to wrap it up there? What do you think we we, we did everything? Uh, I'm sure we missed something, but I think well, we yeah, did a good job. It, it's an imperfect format to get the most information possible out there, just to get people a little bit more educated about it. I'm sure we can do like a question and answers thing. I'm sure everybody on Twitter will have some new <laughs> things that we didn't think about. Well, I think what, what what our plan is with you, Woody, is that the next episode we'll do putters and then we'll have to move on to probably fairway woods slash hybrids in one episode. And then maybe we'll dive a little bit deeper into separate topics and take on questions as we bring you on the show here and there. I absolutely love it. Everyone can find Woody at Pete'sGolf.com. That's great. That, that's is that the easiest place to find yeah, you guys? That's the best place to find, find us. Yep. You're gonna email me. It's it's pretty simple. It's Woody at Pete'sGolf.com. Not really much of a self promoter, but that's the that's my email address. I, I I'll always promote for you. I'll, I'll say it again. Like that Woody is one of the great guys in the golf industry. He's a he's a great friend. I'm proud to call him a great close friend of mine. Um, and I've sent so many people. From you know, readers of Practical Golf, listeners of the show, friends of mine, everyone who I've sent to you or anyone else at Pete's Golf has had an A plus experience. So, again, if you're ever in the New York metro region, people fly in just to work with you guys. You want to get the tour level experience. You are the place to go. So, thank you, my friend, for for taking a huge chunk out of your day again or your night and uh, giving all this info out. Thanks. I I really enjoy talking to you guys, and um, I look forward to doing it again in, in the in the future. Yeah. Next up will be putter fitting. Sounds great. Yep. Thank you, Woody. Okay, Adam. Where can everyone find you? If people want to learn more about the technical part of wedges, I do have modules on the technique, but things like bounce manipulation, angle of attack manipulation, um, the movement pattern, changing loft. So, you know, basically growing your ability to hit every single shot. That's in my next level golf program. That is available www.adamyounggolf.com. And John, where can people find you? You can find me at practical-golf.com. And again, I just want to thank our show sponsor, the Indoor Golf Shop. You can find all of your indoor golf needs at their website, shopindoorgolf.com. They're the experts when it comes to the best indoor golf simulators for your home, your business. You can call them up, talk to their guys, Brian or Wade, who can help you find the best launch monitor. Whether it's a high-end one like Foresight or you want to get maybe one of the entry-level ones like the newer Garmin or the SkyTrack or FlightScope models, they can help you with whatever budget you have and whatever size of your space is. So thanks again for their support, and you can find them at shopindoorgolf.com. Thanks again to our listeners for all the great questions and feedback. We will see you again soon with a new episode.